Turn with me to John 14, verse 22. John 14 and verse 22. Have you ever noticed when you looked at someone who uh, just seems to be walking with God, the, the joy of the Lord on their face, you could just kind of sense the presence of God and the kindness and the joy uh, that is there. Uh, I've known some folks uh, over the years uh, who have displayed that in their lives. And uh, uh, what a joy it is to, to see that God has worked in somebody's life in that way. Uh, Enoch in Scripture, the Bible says, walk with God. And uh, walked so closely with God that God took him to heaven early. Kind of like when we're going to be raptured someday. He just kind of said, Enoch, come on up here now. <laughs> and he, he took him up uh, to be with him. Uh, and they were looking around for Enoch and nobody could find him. Because God had changed him and brought him to heaven early. Um, we can have a close, powerful walk with God. And uh, I believe this is God's heart for every Christian. It's not just meant to be people in the pages of Scripture, uh, but there is a condition uh, to walking in this joy and this power that God desires to give, and that condition is obedience. And you say, well, that, that counts me out because I'm not obedient all the time. Well, neither am I. Uh, and none of us are perfectly obedient. But God has set before us the life to live that brings glory and honor to Him. And as we do that, and, and that's part of Christian growth, right? We, we are saved. God gives us a new nature. Uh, he gives us a new heart to follow after Him. And we, just kind of like a toddler learning to walk, we walk a few steps and fall. We get back up and walk a few steps and fall. And, and so forth, and we finally learn how to walk with God. Now, we don't do that perfectly in this life, but we can do it in increasing measure. And the Bible teaches that there is a walk of victory in His strength and His power, the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, that we can live. And as we do, we will enter into that fellowship with God that is like no other, and it will be more consistent and God's power rests more upon us as we do so. Uh, God actually ministers to us when we obey Him. Isn't that a, an awesome thought? I hear, think about ministering to others, but God ministering to us. Uh, this is what God does when we obey Him. And so the title of my message is God's Ministry to Those Who Love Him. God's Ministry... To those who love him. And look with me at John 14 and verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled or fearful. You've heard me tell you I'm going away and I'm coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe. I will not talk with you much longer because the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over me. On the contrary, so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do as the Father commanded me. Get up, let's leave this place. So God's ministry to those who love him. Of course, Jesus sets the example for that ministry in his willingness to obey and to be obedient even unto death on a cross. And God has highly exalted him because of that and given him a name above every other name. How do we know we love him? We know because we obey him. And so God's ministry to those who love him, what does that consist of? Well, well he, first of all, encourages us with his presence he encourages us with his presence in verse 23 jesus answered if anyone loves me he will keep my word my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him have you ever gone on vacation and uh, you get to the place and maybe you enjoy the time there, but after about day three, you're thinking, I am ready to be home. I'm ready to be where it's familiar, where I'm comfortable and so forth, uh, and, uh, and you're ready. Um, there's no place like home. We say that, don't we? Uh, there's such a thing as a house, but then there's a home. Jesus says, if we will obey him, he and the Father will come make his home with us. Isn't that an amazing thought? Now, when you go home, there's one way you, you talk with people that you know, um, perhaps are acquaintances or people that you know a little bit, and you, you share some things about your life, but generally you don't open up and tell them everything about your life because you don't know them all that well. But when you go home, if you've got a healthy home situation, there's a difference in the way that you communicate with your family, right? You, your family knows who you are. They know you better than anyone. Uh, and they see you in the good times and the bad times when you're trusting Jesus and when you need to be disciplined by Jesus, okay? They see all of these things. You go home and you relax and you... Uh, are at rest, right? That's part of the, the joy of being able to be renewed in your home life. God says, I will delight to come and dwell with you as my preferred place to be. Isn't that an awesome thought? That God would desire to be with us and to commune with us and to live with us within our hearts, knowing who we are and loving us perfectly. Walking with us through every season of life. Some of you were raised by godly parents who counseled you and loved you and gave you wisdom in different junctures of your life. 
and helped you uh, throughout life in different ways because they love you. God does that for those who are his people, who he, uh, he loves. Now, he does that for all his people, but he does that in a special way for those who obey him. It's kind of like turning up the heat. He, he turns it up so that we are more blessed, not because we deserve it, but because the doorway is open, right? What did Jesus say to one of the churches in Revelation? He says, I'm standing at the door knocking. If anyone will hear my voice and open the door to me, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. We use that oftentimes in evangelism, and it is true you need to open your heart to God in repentance and faith to be saved. But it is also true as a Christian, we have to open our hearts to God, don't we? The choice of obedience is an opening of our hearts that invites God to come where we are. And uh, it is such a blessing when he does. Uh, uh, it changes us. Listen, if, if you walk with God in this way, it will change who you are. It will change what you delight in. It will change. You'll be a better husband. You'll be a better father. You'll be a better friend because God himself will be working and, and moving in your life and loving other people through you. It will be remarkable what God will do in your heart. As you choose to obey him. Now praise God. He comes to us and he tells us in 1 John. If we confess our sin he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because I'll tell you. I don't know about you but I need that. Okay. I need that. Uh, None of us are perfect. Praise God his mercies are new every morning. Praise God that he doesn't give up on us. He is for us in our walk with him. But when we make that choice to obey, we open up a whole new level of God's presence and blessing in our life. And it is such an amazing thing. Jesus is saying to his disciples, listen, I'm about to go to the cross. But if you don't remember anything else I tell you, remember this. He's teaching them how to walk with God, how to know the touch of power from God upon their lives. And what an encouragement that is. Have you ever been in a down, discouraged situation and God just encourages your heart? What a blessing that is to know the Lord. So God's ministry to those who love him, how does he minister? Well, he first of all encourages us with his presence. Secondly, he teaches us his truth. He teaches us his truth. If you look in verse 26, But the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. He will teach you the truth. And he will teach you all things. Um. God has given us his unchanging word. And one of the amazing things about God's word is it is every bit as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago, uh, as the case may be. God's truth is unchanging. It is is, uh, powerful in the fact that it gives us a wisdom that is from above. And the Holy Spirit helps us with that. He teaches us those things. 
Um, many times as I am uh, preparing a message, I've, I've got to a part, Lord, I'm not sure about this. I don't know how to present this. I'm not even sure I understand this. Sometimes I've had to, to, to tell God that. Lord, will you teach me what this means and, and show me how to present it? And he has been faithful to do that. But the Holy Spirit will also teach you in life. Uh, he will teach you all things. The disciples are about to enter into a new chapter of their lives. No longer would Jesus be with them as he was at this point, but Jesus would go to the cross, he would die, he would be raised, he would minister for about 40 days, and then he'd be taken up in the ascension to the right hand of the Father. He would send the Spirit at Pentecost and the Spirit would come and dwell within them and live and work through them. But things were different. How would they know how to respond in this new situation that they were facing? How would they know what to do? God would instruct them through His Holy Spirit within. And He would teach them what they needed to do as they walked and followed Him. Um, you know, at different times in the ministry of Peter and, and Paul and, and, and the apostles, God would redirect them. He would show them, this is a, this is a new place. Uh, this is something I want you to do. Um, or he would give them insight into a problem. You know, Paul dealt with quite a few problems. We know that from his letters. And God would teach him how to deal with these problems that cropped up in the church and how to go about loving people, but also standing for the truth, and how to balance those things, and sometimes that's difficult. Uh, in this new season, God would provide the wisdom that they would need. You know, I'm convinced that God can teach us in every facet of our lives. Listen, I, I, I didn't always uh, work as a pastor. I, I used to, uh, I've worked um, uh, flipping burgers for a while, I worked as a mechanic for a while, I did some different things at different times, but um, you know what I found? No matter what the context is, God can enter that context, and He can help us where we are. He's not limited by space or time or, or whatever it is that we may be dealing with, because He's God. Uh, he can also teach us in our marriage, right? He teaches us through His Word. He's given us principles in His Word. But I think he also teaches us how to love our spouse. Uh, how to go about uh, being a better spouse to our partner. God can teach us those things if we'll ask him. Have you, ever, have you ever been confused in your marriage and said, Lord, I'm not really sure what to do about this particular thing? You can ask God about it. And guess what? He can teach you. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know? You're not in this thing by yourself. Listen, God is with you. You can take your burdens to him, and you can, you can trust him to be with you and teach you and carry you through. God can give us instruction in the church, can't he? He can guide us by his spirit. He can teach us how to interact with one another, and when there's difficulties, what to do, and, and steps to take in timing and these kinds of things. God is so wise. What about raising kids? He can teach us about that, too, when to open our mouths, when to close it. I shared that with you. Uh, he can teach us what to say. 
Have you ever just sensed the Spirit of God move upon your heart? Hey, you need to share this with your kid. I'm not, and maybe an adult, adult, you call them a child, you know, is, I think they're always your kids, you know, no matter how old they get. Uh, but uh, you, may, you may speak into their life because the Holy Spirit is, is leading you. And it's amazing what he can teach us to do if we listen. Obedience brings this to a whole new level in your life. The more you can obey through the power of the Holy Spirit, the more the Spirit's teaching will happen in your life. It's not that you're earning it. It is all God's grace. But it's you're opening that door so that God can work in you uh, more effectively and you can hear from Him more clearly. So, God's ministry to those who love Him, first, He encourages us with His presence. He teaches us His truth. Thirdly, He reminds us of His words. He reminds us of His words. If you look at verse 26, it says, The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, and the Father will sit in my name, will teach you all things, and remind you of everything I have told you. He will remind us of his words. How does that work? Well, have you ever been struggling? And a Bible verse comes to mind that comforts you and encourages you. Guess who did that? The Holy Spirit. He's reminding you of what God has said. How about this, when you come to your Sunday school class or you come to a church service and you hear the Word of God and Scripture you haven't thought about in a while deals with the very thing you're dealing with in your life. What is the Holy Spirit doing? He's reminding you of what He said. Sometimes you say, well, you know, I already know that. Well, that's okay. You need to be reminded, right? And He reminds you and He comforts you and He lifts you up and He encourages you through what he has said. God is so faithful to do that. Um, he, he is also faithful to do that in ministry. I remember uh, early in my ministry, I used to preach with notes, and I mean, I had them, I had them like written out detailed. I did not veer to the right or to the left from my notes. I depended on my notes. And one day, God just kind of touched my heart. He said, look, Roger, you're not listening to my Holy Spirit when you preach. You're too dependent on, my, on your notes. You're not listening to me. You need to do away with your notes. I was terrified by that. And so the first Sunday came. And I do have some notes in my Bible, by the way, now. I do use some limited notes now. But I felt at that time I was not supposed to use any. And so <clears throat> I went in and I remember I forgot. I think I forgot one of my points. Guess what? Nothing happened. You know, nobody fell over and died <laughs> as I was trusting God. Um, but towards the end of that message, God laid something on my heart, and it had nothing to do with what I'd prepared, nothing to do really with my message, and I went there, and I spent about five minutes discussing that, closed the service, 
You know what people said to me as they went out? That message was good, but that last five minutes really spoke to me. The part I hadn't prepared, the part I hadn't planned, that the Holy Spirit had shown me just at that moment what to say. You see, God was speaking to me loud and clear. He was saying, look, it's not so much about you, it's about me. And so, um, the Holy Spirit, when he reminds you of what God has said, he will bring the right scripture to mind. He will bring, perhaps it's a story to share, maybe a, a testimony from your past. Uh, it could be uh, just something to encourage someone, maybe a word of encouragement. Um, <clears throat> I remember uh, a pastor sharing with me that early in his ministry, he had gone by, and they, at that church they had this thing that the, the deacons would walk in, and the pastor would walk behind the deacons as they came from the back of the church, and they would file in, and, and they would be seated, and the pastor would come up on the stage, and they did that every week. Well, there was this little boy that sat at the end of the pew uh, as they would come in each day, and the pastor, not really giving much thought, he would just put his hand on, that, on the shoulder of that little boy as he passed each week, and it didn't really, he didn't really think much about it. Years later, uh, that young man saw him at a convention or a conference or something that he was doing. And he went up to him and he said, look, he said, I don't know if you remember me or not, but do you remember this church you pastored? He said, yeah, yeah, I remember that. You remember how y'all used to come in every week? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Do you remember a little boy that you'd pass by and you'd put a hand on his shoulder? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. He said, I was that little boy. He said, my father had just passed away. And he said, that touch from you each week kept me going. <laughs> Isn't that cool? He wasn't really thinking about it all that much, but God used him, perhaps moved him, to provide that little measure of encouragement for that little boy that made all the difference. You know, the Holy Spirit can lead us to say just the right thing at just the right time to minister to someone's heart, and it is an amazing thing. So, he says, I'll remind you of the things, and I've seen this. It, this is, I've been out in the community maybe talking to somebody about Jesus Christ, and this verse pops in my mind. I haven't thought, thought about that verse in months. But it is the exact verse that is needed in that conversation to share with that person. Can I tell you, we serve an awesome God. The Holy Spirit reminds us of things God has done in our lives. Listen, I, I, I've, uh, I'm not a good journaler. Some of you may, may journal. You may do really well with, in a spiritual journal. I'm not good at that, and I don't really like to do it. But sometimes when God communicates something to me that is really meaningful, I will write it down. And you know what I found? I go back, and I look at those things, and it's such an encouragement to go back and read those things that God has spoken in the past. But God can remind us of those things to share with others. I remember, and I don't even remember uh, the specific story, but I remember going to talk to a lost man. And on the way, I'd, I'd been talking with him over time, and uh, I would just say, Lord, is there something I should share today? And I, I just, this story from my past popped in my mind, and 
just felt like I was supposed to share that with this man, so I did. And I thought, I have no idea why God wants me to share that story. But I shared it with him, and I noticed just in the corner of his eye after I shared it, there was a little bit of a tear. I didn't think it was all that remarkable of a story. I still to this day don't know why it moved him. But the Holy Spirit led me to share it, and I shared it, and it had an impact on his life. You see, that's what the Holy Spirit can do. He reminds us of the things that Christ has spoken to us in his word, perhaps has spoken in our lives or has done in our lives so that we can be more effective for him. This is part of this situation. As we obey God, we open the door for God to do this in our lives more effectively and more consistently so that we have a greater impact for the Lord. So God's ministry to those who love him, what does he do? He encourages us with his presence. He teaches us his truth. He reminds us of his words. And I love this. He gives us his peace. (laughs) Isn't that great? Verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. See, this is a supernatural peace. You see, the disciples were going to have some great things happen. People were going to be saved. Lives were going to be changed. God was going to do some great things. But there are also going to be some great challenges. What would carry them through? What would give them the stability and the consistency that they needed? God's ministry of his peace in the midst of trouble and hardship in their lives. My peace I give you. What kind of peace did Jesus have? Well, we see. Jesus, when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, knew what was ahead. And I I don't really think it was the spikes or the crown of thorns or even the cross itself uh, as a a wooden implement that really concerned Jesus. I think what was going to happen within him was much more of a concern. Because he knew the Father would turn his back upon him, that his fellowship would be broken. He knew that the wrath of God would be poured out upon him for our sin. He knew that the justice that we deserved would be carried out upon him and the sky turned black and the ground shook and all of these things were were happening as Jesus was bearing our penalty at the cross. Jesus knew what was coming and it burdened his heart. And as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, if it's your will, let this cup, what is cup? The cup of wrath. Lord, let this cup pass from me, but not yet not what I will, but what you will. But he didn't say it like I said it. He was pouring out his soul to God. He was crying with loud cries and tears, Scripture tells us. He's trying to get the disciples to support him. They're, they're asleep. He's, he's agonizing in their sleep. But he's, he's crying out. Then, finally, the soldiers come to arrest Jesus. And one of the things that just stands out to me so clearly through the arrest and through the trials and and all that Jesus went through up until the time of the cross and through the cross, you see somebody at complete rest. 
The scripture says that Pilate was amazed. Aren't you going to answer these people who are accusing you? Why aren't you not saying anything? Why aren't you defending yourself? Jesus had complete peace. You see, he had done what Philippians 4, 6, and 7 tell us to do. He brought his burden to the Father with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, was guarding his heart and his mind. And he walked through this horrific trial with God's peace. One place he told the disciples, you're all going to forsake me, but God has not forsaken me. The peace of God. Listen, there have been times in my life, I remember one time in my first church I pastored, something was happening and in the church, the problem had come, and I wasn't sure how it was going to resolve, and uh, I remember just being up talking to God late one night, and I just felt this most incredible peace come across my heart. It's like God was saying, I am here. I am with you. I will carry you through. And he did. <laughs> uh, what, what an amazing thing. He says, I give you my peace. This is not peace that you get from reading some self-help book. This is not peace that you get from going and walking out uh, in nature somewhere. This is God's peace. This is supernatural peace that only comes as we open the door to the Lord through obedience so that He comes and works and ministers to us as the Comforter. What does our sin do? Our sin quenches the Spirit of God and keeps Him at arm's length relationally. He's still there. If you're a child of God, He's there. But you're keeping Him at arm's length. It's kind of like when you get in a fight with your spouse. One of you says, don't touch me. Right? You may be in the same room, but I'm going to tell you something. There's no fellowship going on. All right? Uh, That's the idea. Our sin does that with God. It keeps Him at arm's length. But when we open the door, we repent of that sin, and we confess that to God. We open the door through our choice to obey, and we begin to obey God. The Spirit of God comes in, and He can minister that peace that passes understanding to us. It is so sweet and precious. You know what the Scripture says? There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. I want to tell you something. People out in this world are broken. They don't have peace because they don't have Jesus. You and I can show them the way to peace as we share the gospel with them, as we set an example And as they see what God does in our lives, as we go through trials and God ministers to us through his peace. God's ministry to those who love him, he encourages us with his presence. He teaches us his truth. He reminds us of his words and he gives us his peace. I don't know what's coming in the future, but one thing I do know. My God holds the future in his hands.
<laughs> and we can walk in faith in our great God because of who he is, what he has done and what he will do, and we can have peace despite what all has happened around us. Listen, I, it's not popular to obey God in our culture today. It's not politically correct to obey God in the culture in which we live today. But I'm going to tell you something. It is critical if you want to know the manifest presence of God. If you want him to come and make his home with you, if you want to experience the peace that passes understanding, it is critical. You're not saved by your obedience. You're saved when you choose to repent and trust in Christ and it is given to you as a gift. But the blessings of the abundant life are conditional. And the condition is obedience. You don't need to go to a guru to walk closely with God. You don't need to read, nothing wrong with reading books about walking closely with God, but you don't ultimately have to do that. Jesus pointed us to one thing, and that is the step to obey God. May we do so and enter into all that God has for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being clear with us about what you require and what you desire for our lives. Help us to walk, Lord, as your people in obedience to you. And Lord, if there's someone here who doesn't yet know you, Lord, I pray that today would be the day they would make a choice to turn from their sin their own way, to repent, and to choose to follow Jesus, to receive his gift of eternal life today.